Money FM 89.3, best of the breakfast huddle. The breakfast brief on Money FM 89.3. Money FM 89.3. Good morning. It's The Breakfast Huddle. Elliot Danka, Barty Jagdish and Ryan Huang with you. Uh, the time of the morning where we take a look at headlines that investors will be paying attention to today. Mm, and tech stocks are doing well the world over, but apparently, specifically in China, they could be a great bargain. Right, Ryan? That's right, Barty. So we've seen the tech recovery just leading the charge when it comes to Wall Street. So the focus today, maybe that could be the same in China. That's because tech stocks are starting to look like a bargain and we've seen how they've been under pressure for various reasons the crackdown and just the general sentiment in China so much so we've seen the Hang Seng Index down more than 20% since mid-February and this is of course due to also the factors around Evergrande which is still unfolding and now you have it in focus uh, because as well you've got the push by China for its companies to list domestically rather than overseas. So that has been driving valuations of those Chinese tech companies down further towards the rest of the global tech industry. So a bit of a more attractive price right now these days if you are in the market for a tech stock. Mm. Uh, it's also been, uh, and speaking of tech stocks, it's also quite busy over in Hong Kong. Uh, Weibo, a uh, secondary listing there. Mm. So if you've been using Twitter, you'll be familiar with how maybe Weibo works because it is the Chinese equivalent of Twitter. It's got more than 566 million monthly average users. So it is a huge social media platform in China and it's going public in Hong Kong today mm. at a price of 272 uh, Hong Kong dollars and 80 cents and it will be raising 193 million dollars so we've been talking about how Chinese tech stocks have been looking like a bargain so maybe the appetite might be there for Weibo in its secondary listing in Hong Kong it is Nasdaq listed right now mm. uh, the thing is Ryan to what extent does this mean that US tech will start to see outflows as investors head back overseas amid all of these developments that you've just described? Yeah, it's going to be a tough one to figure out because you have so many moving parts here. You've got the price, which looks a bit more attractive, but then the uncertainty when it comes to regulations where you are not really clear what might pan out in 2022. You know, will there be further clampdowns on Chinese tech? Um, so some People in one camp believe the fundamentals are there, uh, that the Chinese tech will be still quite um, required yeah. in your yeah. everyday life. It will be one of the long-term trends that will play out. So that is the argument there. But then you have the argument that, hey, maybe it's safer to go elsewhere. You've got a limited amount of money. Why not put it in a safer place, a more pre predictable environment? And that is where the US, to some extent, um, is able to offer. So that is the argument there. And we'll see if um, we see more money going back to China with mm. the Weibo listing. Back down to the kind of risk you're willing to take, I suppose. Uh, hey, Japan uh, is going to release uh, revised GDP data for July to September. Uh, what are we looking at here? Yeah, we've seen a lot of concerns in recent months around how we might see a slowdown. So we will get an update around Japan's economy for the quarter and September. So that will confirm if we did actually see a bit of a hiccup when it came to Japan's uh, third quarter GDP. And this will be um, 
focused on whether they matched the earlier estimates which showed that the economy contracted 0.8% from the previous quarter and strength 3% year-on-year. So that will be in focus and could be a market mover for the Japanese yen. Mm. This next uh, issue, I think, is very close to my heart because I've always wanted a shorter work week. (laughs) I've been a great advocate of a four-day work week. Uh, One country is doing it, uh, but not fully four days. We're talking about a a four-and-a-half-day week. Uh, The UAE, apparently, is going to be doing this very, very soon. How exactly will this work? And uh, what about the economic implications? Because in Singapore, they always say, oh, the less you work, uh, the the less good it is for the economy. So maybe Bath? The um, UAE may be for you. So uh, here Fico you have making plans, uh, but right now you can't even really travel there because of the whole COVID restrictions and yeah, and yeah. Stuff so like I'm going to give you a backdrop first, right? Yeah. So in the Gulf region and places like the UAE, you have a weekend that falls on Friday and Saturday. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So Correct. that is a bit of a different type of culture there, where mm. they work on Sundays actually. Yes. Correct. So this is because mainly due to religious reasons and just the way it has been for quite some time. Mm. But now the UAE is trying to be in line a bit more with the rest of the world where we have, of course, weekends on Saturday and Sunday. So now they are shifting it um, where they will also um, work on Friday, but for half a day. So it's a four and a half day week where they work for Monday to Thursdays and half a day on Friday, and then they have the rest of the week off. So it's pretty attractive in that sense, and it is a sign that the UAE is bold in making changes and is a signal to foreign investors that, hey, we are you know, welcoming everyone to work here and it might be something that might attract more foreign talent there as well. Mm, I think they could actually set the tone for other countries because they are a global hub for business. They're getting there anyway and have been such a vibrant economy. So people might say the UAE is closed on Friday afternoon. Maybe we should close too, right? <laughs> you know, even if we're in an, another nation. Yep. Uh, and if other nations are going to adopt it, as long as the pub's open, I'm good. Mm. <laughs> They better be. Uh, yes, yeah, they Those better are be. the only people who oh, have to work. Other nations, <laughs> uh, that is. Uh, this is an interesting one, uh, Ryan. What Elon Musk thinks is the biggest risks to human civilization? Hmm. Uh, what's what? What does he view as the problem here? Yeah, I'm actually scratching my head over this one. So he says the biggest risk is underpopulation. People not having enough babies, rather than. People having too many babies, overpopulation. So it's a bit of a head-scratcher here. And Mm. this is part of an interview, a wide-ranging interview at the Wall Street Journal's annual CEO council event. So he pretty much said, no, not enough people in the world and it could threaten human civilization. I I have a theory about this. It's because he thinks of the world as space as well. You know, because of all his space travel <laughs> adventures, right? So, so we are thinking small. We're thinking planet Earth. Uh, He's thinking we have so much space, you know, in space. And we're going to colonize space at some stage. So why not populate it and start now? Uh, I think he's just making excuses because he's got six children. To listen to more great interviews, download our podcasts at moneyfm893.sg or download our audio app. That's A-W-E-D-I-O. Available on Google Play or the App Store.